Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly, along with Chuck Davis and I'm Lyle Stokes. Welcome to the show. How's it going down in Alabama, Chuck? Uh, great. We had some uh, awesome weather this weekend. Got out and did a half day of fishing yesterday. Uh, really enjoyed myself, even though I was by myself. Most of my best times are by myself. So um, it was really nice. Uh, can't wait for these tournaments coming up. Daniel's got some really good ones planned out. Um, it's about the best schedule I've, I've we've had so far. I, I mean, it's really my cup of tea. I love the schedule. So hopefully we'll have uh, a lot more people jumping on board and traveling with us this year. Well, I hope so. That's that's the uh, the good part about tournament series is, and especially if you don't have them all in the same spot, you get people move around different pieces of uh, water to fish on. So that uh, works out really nice. We uh we happened to get the old monster cat out and took it up and uh, Craig Shoemake come down and jumped in the boat with us Saturday. We had a really good time on Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, we was trying some new techniques and different things that we hadn't done before, so that was interesting. And uh, I, I got some uh, knowledge, more knowledge on that uh, Lawrence. But uh, man, does that guy know how to find bait, dude? I'm telling you right now, big old shad. Man, they're bigger by hand, just giant shad. And there's tons of them up there. So uh, I was really excited about that. Add to, last time I was out, we got plenty of bait, but it was all a lot smaller than this. These were mega shad, just uh, really good ones. And uh, that, that was a great thing. But we had a wonderful time. And last two or three days, it's been really beautiful weather, but that's fixing to change for us. Of course, you being down in the south, it'll uh, probably be all right for you for a while. <laughs> Well, tonight, Chuck, we are are glad that uh, Vince has decided to join us. He, uh, uh, we were scheduled to have Craig on the show with us, and uh, work decided that he needed to work tonight till eight o'clock. So uh, the show would basically been over by the time he got off work, and then he had to drive home. and And Vince was really good to jump in there and and uh, step up and and jump on the show with us tonight. How's it going tonight, Vince? It's going well. How about yourself, sir? Not too bad, not too bad. Are you guys uh, gearing up for tournament season over your way? Uh, we're getting ready, too. It looks like a little less than two months. I think um, me and my uh, partner for the season, Adam Daner, I think uh, our first tournament is going to be March 19th. March 19th. Yeah, we're Wheeler. Oh, you're going to Wheeler for the first one? Yes, sir. Awesome, awesome. Now, that's not that's the Cabela's tournament, is that right? Yeah, that is the King Cat out of Decatur down there. Right, that ought to be a blast. I look for them to have a really good turnout down there after uh, the great tournaments that they've been having on Wheeler. There for a while, it, you know, everybody wanted to go to Wheeler, but they didn't uh, want to fish tournaments down there for whatever reason, but that's changing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good fish caught down there, and uh, all them little communities is stepping up to uh, help the anglers out, and uh, I think that that's going to be one of the go-to places in the near future. I, I do as well. Well, Chuck, have you got a list of stuff you want to visit with Vince about? Yeah, there's just he's he's got so many hands in the fire. There's just don't I don't know where to start. Um, let's let's first start at the. Um, the SWOCC, um, tell us about the trail and all that good stuff, Vince. 
Well, um, Southwest Ohio Catfish Trail, that is the trail I've ran, I believe, for four years now. Um, I've taken it over from Mark Blauveld. He, he, I believe, and Brian Lynn had ran it for a couple years. Um, some of the participation had fell off, and I'm like, you know what? I want to give this a try. Me and, at that time, me and Mark were partners, um, so I went ahead and got it, got it going. Um, we've had some ups. We've had some downs. Um, I think last year, when I looked at it, we were averaging more entries than we had in the past. Um, for us, we do kind of have a few of the challenges of getting, I would say, within, what, 70 miles of where we have our tournaments, there's four other clubs. So right here in the Ohio River, within 70 miles of Cincinnati, you can have a tournament that you can go to every single week. So with, uh, when money starts getting tighter, gas prices are up, and it's costing us more, yeah, we probably do lose. Um, people pick and choose which tournament they want to go to. So do you have a lot of competition in that area for other trails? And so you, you have to be really careful when you're scheduling and trying not to uh, duplicate anything that's going on. Yeah, in area. Um, we try to work, work together with – uh, we look at, especially the, the ones that are as close as possible, we work with uh, Whiskey City, we work with Catfish Country, and then I try not to schedule, if possible, anything over Bank Fox's trail, because it's, it's honestly closer to my house, farther from Cincy, but if I can try not to schedule on their dates, then I can go down there as well and fish his trail as well. Um, when uh, with this unified uh, talk about the unified uh, rules and stuff like that for all the tournaments and you know trying to get everybody on board is that something that you've thought about and you're interested in um, trying to get on some kind of committee and getting a one big unified um, set of rules I believe that it's time for that I'm not actually sitting here lobbying to be on any committee. I would like to see one done. I actually have a lot of things that, that you know, that happen. And to be on the, something like the committee there with, uh, with what I've got going with Catfish Tech, I don't want there to be any type of conflict of interest. But what I am is me and, me and Lyle, I think when we first, I think I mentioned this to him the first time probably three or four years ago, and he had told me that he'd been thinking about it for the last 10. And we've just had talks over the last course of, I guess, the last year, now and then, chatter. But it's, it's time. Right now, our tournament series across the United States, it's basically the wild, wild west. It's where bass fishing was prior to 1980, <laughs> when Forrest Wood uh, started BASS. Well, one thing about that, you're not going to make it 100%. There'll be variables between different uh, parts of the country, but uh, uh, a unified organization that, that kind of controls how things are run will make a world of difference on things that have happened in past tournaments. And uh, I, I, it's it's been something that, that catfishing has needed for a long time, but if the way the sport is growing and the magnitude and the speed that it's growing, 
well, we've got to get a handle on it before it's completely out of control. And I, I just feel like it's something that, that we really need to get put in place. Right, I agree. And not a set of, you know, constant rules that have to be about, uh, that every tournament has to go through. Because, like I think I mentioned, uh, Lyle, certain areas do two fish limits, certain areas do three fish, certain do five fish. <laughs> right now on the Ohio River where we fish, we can actually comfortably do five fish weigh-ins. We do our, we have, you know, the two over 35 on the blue, the two over 35 on the flathead, two over 28 on the channel. With what we are averaging now in our weigh-ins, we can comfortably do five fish weigh-ins. They're on the James River where they're sitting here and putting a two fish weigh-in weigh and they're still over 130, 140 pounds. For them, it's not feasible to do a five fish. So, Every area will still have their um, their own, but there I think there should be you know some things out there you know just the typical common core values that the organization should have. One that I would be pushing hard for. I believe in no stringers whatsoever. Absolutely. I would, if I had to say so, I would push that hard. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Decoy bags included, you know. Uh, that used to be something that every every tournament uh, director or trail put into to effect to draw people into the tournaments that didn't have setups to have big fish in. But in those days, most people was fishing for channel cat, and if they tripped on a blue or a flathead, it was a bonus. They wasn't specifically going out and targeting sixty pound fish, uh, but now they do, and and you'll catch several of them. And uh, you know. You lose fish and you just can't do it, so uh, you got to do something to stop the deals like that because there's nothing worse than seeing them dump the fish out back in the water and them floating around where you where, where your your boat ramp is and things. That's just a bad deal. And uh, uh, stringers and and uh, decoy bags, thing like that, they're they're a done deal and they they need to be eliminated from uh, the tournament situation. Now, if if you go out on the uh, a Saturday afternoon and you're sitting on the bank or you're in your boat and you're catching uh, five pound fish and you plan on taking them home to eat, that's a different situation. You know, it's a completely different situation. But if you plan on releasing those fish, they need to be kept in a live well. And I think there should be a, then, then none of this stuff is going to get put into effect 100% right off the bat. But there's, there, there needs to be a standard made of what is considered a safe size live well and, and, and the amenities to go with it. Exactly. All right, so um, where do you where do you see your trail going? What's your goals with your trail? I, I mean, I constantly try to, you know, increase the trail, maybe reach out to new members. Um, for the trail, I'm actually going to have a booth down at the Catfish Conference. Maybe we'll have some people down there that um, they could be a little farther away, but interested in coming to try our, try in our area around Cincinnati or a little um, east of there. Um, I would. I changed a few things this year because we we always run a points uh, like a points uh, race there at the end. And in the past, we used to have a twenty dollar club fee. That money was all paid back, but it went to the end of the year fund. This year, we went ahead and eliminated the twenty dollar club fee because I'd have a few people. You know, they only want to fish one or two tournaments here and there, and the club fee would keep them away. So. We've changed that, and what we're going to do is we'll 
no club fee, but then again, we'll take a few dollars out of each tournament per se and put it towards the end of the year. It's, for the person that fishes all the tournaments, it's not really going to be any different, but it might allow us to get, you know, some more people to try out the tournaments. And also, I'm changing the points this year. We just decided, hey, let's tr try and do something different where in the past, first place would get 100 points, second place 95, third place 90, and so on, with three points for biggest fish. This year, we're going to try something new. It might work. It might just blow up on our face, but you never know till you try. You're going to get one point for every pound weighed in. So you could be way back in the points, but all of a sudden you put a big bag in and nobody else does, and you can make up an awful lot of points real quick. That's interesting. Yep. Um, let's talk about the uh, your other company, the Catfish Tech. Um, tell us about what your goals are with it and uh, – Tell, tell us a little bit about your country and such. Well, the goals that I have with that, I mean, in the future, will always be the same as they are now. One thing that I have refrained from doing from day one is putting up a website, listing all the different models out there, putting on a price and a click button so you can click and just order. What I, what I make happen, you want to order a product from me, you'll either need to talk to me on the phone you can text me, or you can message me by Facebook. We have to have some type of communication. reason I do that, and it could cost me sales, but what it does not cost me is customer service. That's what I strive for. I mean, if all of a sudden Chuck Davidson is a crappie fisherman that fishes one, one day a month, and he comes to me and he's like, so do you think I should get this Onyx or, or this HDS-12? And I'm like, $3,000, you fish once a month. You can get this accomplished for six, $700. Why waste that money? That's, I mean, and that's just the way it is. And if you have a problem, you can call me anytime. There's one rule to that, and it's I prefer not to be called after 11 o'clock Eastern time because that upsets the wife, and I have to sleep on the couch at that hour. <laughs> I don't blame her. Yeah, um, you know, we was talking earlier in the week, and you was talking about thriving for uh, customer service and how important that is. Uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, assisting with, with setups, people. You know, right after they hook it up, they're on the on the water the first time. How many calls have you ever got um, on people's first trips out, and they call and say, "Hey, man, they just give me a hand. Something ain't right." Now, one, one more time. When your uh, customer service calls, when guys are out on the water for the first time using their units after they've installed it, and they call you and ask you questions while they're out, you know, powering it up for the first time. Have you had situations like that? I've had a couple. I I do honestly, I do what I can with them. If it is a Lowrance unit, I physically do not have one of those on my boat. It can sometimes be a challenge, but I've sat there. And while they're doing it, because, you know, 90% of the people, no, 95% of who orders from me are men, and, you know, we don't read manuals. So um, I've had it before where I've been sitting, I could have even been sitting in a tournament, 
and I would bring the manual up on my phone and do whatever I could to try to walk them through. But if it's something like a Hummingbird Onyx or one of the core units, usually I, I've got a really good idea, or I could just look at my own unit, and I can walk through it that way. Well, here's how I just did it. But if I can't get the answer, I've got a couple Hummingbird reps that I actually can text at any time during normal, you know, reasonable hours. I can get them a text, and if it's something super important, they get me an answer back. Yeah, um, let's talk about what we was talking about earlier in the week about the, um, you know, I call it hand-me-downs, and you see a lot of it filtering down now from the bass guys mostly, and, you know, the new Gen 3s are out, uh, the new Helix is out, and it has really depreciated um, most of our beloved units that, you know, we've used to look up on the console and think, wow, I really got something, and now it's worth 500 bucks overnight. Um, what do you suggest for these guys out there that, you know, come up, they're going to have $1,000 coming up here um, with income tax or whatever, they're finally going to be able to get them a good unit. Um, you know, what, how do you see it, them going after the uh, used stuff or going after the new stuff uh, right now with a thousand bucks? Well, a lot of that goes, it'll actually go back to, you know, how much they're using their unit, what they're honestly looking to do. Because I actually, a little bit different than some of the, you know, the retailers you find out there, if I've got a market and somebody's messaged me, and, like say, and Chuck's like, Vince, if you come across a, you know, an HDS Gen 2 somewhere, let me know. And all of a sudden, I've got, uh, Lyle calls me up. He's like, man, I've got this Gen 2 unit. I want to go to the Gen 3 HDS. Would you be willing to work on me on a trade? And I will sometimes take trade-ins. I inform everybody that trade, trades in, you got to understand, I'm probably not going to offer you as much as you could go out there and ask for, you know, put your, uh, a Facebook page up or put it on Craigslist or eBay, you probably end up getting more. What I'm going to do, I'm going to save you the hassle. Um, I had some of them that I work with take the trade in. They, they've actually shipped it to me. Um, I've had others out there. I've worked the trade, but I'm having them contact the person directly. So that person's sending it straight, person A sending it straight to person B, once he pays him for it, then person A is paying me for a new unit. So everybody's honestly getting half of, you know, what they want that way. Um, but like you said, with the depreciation out there, um, for example, the helixes are out. That has done rid gotten rid of all of the um, hummingbird units that have numbers on them, such as the, you know, the 898, the 998, the 999, the 1199. The numbers don't exist. You've got helix 5s, 7s, 9s, 10s, and 12s. Mind you, they all still have the same models. They'll still do the same thing. It's just they don't have those numbers. And those numbers have now dropped. I mean, I think I see now there a 999 selling at one of the big box stores for 799. Now, I can't get any of those discontinued units anymore. I sold between the 999s and 1199s. I sold 37 of them. It, it's a discontinued unit. Does that mean it's bad? No. It'll still do just about what you need, anything you need. The only thing the Helix is going to have over it is a slightly faster processor. 
plus it incorporates that auto chart uh, live into your uh, system. But other than that, there's not going to be a whole much bunch difference. They're using the same transducers and everything. But what did that do? It dropped the prices. And I know when we're somebody, when we're out there and we want to get rid of something we have, we went out there and we paid $29.99 for an $11.99, you know, a year ago. And all of a sudden you're seeing new ones sell for $1,300 and used ones going for a grand. In our heart, I mean, it hurts us to want to have to get rid of it for that price knowing that we paid a year ago and we paid twice it. But it's what the market is. It's just like computers now. On our computers, we can go out and buy the best computer tomorrow. Six weeks, there's going to be something newer and better out there, and the price on this one is going to go down. Yeah, but you know the the you know the way Humminbird did it also they they made an affordable unit that that was jam packed with everything you need at a very affordable price, and uh, you know what that did that that put I mean the depreciation dropped big time. The uh, you know Cabela's had a um, I think an eight ninety nine for five ninety nine uh, because you can get the seven inch. Helix for six ninety nine. Right. Um, so, I mean, it, for right now, I mean, four years ago, for me to have a decent screen in an eight ninety eight, which was a seven inch screen, it cost me twelve hundred dollars to get side imaging with a seven inch screen four years ago, and now guys can go out and grab, um, you know, eight ninety eights. And eight ninety nines for you know three, four, five hundred dollars. Exactly. Uh, like you said that Helix Seven, it's six ninety nine with everything. That's the the GPS, the sonar, the down and the side. The only thing that unit doesn't have is the ability to network with another unit. And a lot of times when you're looking for, I call the five and the seven entry level. We don't need the networking features. So the um, so you got to go to a nine or a ten or possibly the twelve to be able to um, the network to network with your older equipment. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, but you know, for for six ninety nine for somebody that's just uh, catfishing on the weekends, man, that Helix Seven SI is awesome for six ninety nine. I mean, I. Really, the, I bought the exact same thing that's twice as slow for twice as much four years ago. Yeah, it's just sickening right now. And, and the, I mean, the, how clear the images are over what mine is. You know, I didn't think, uh, for one, mine mine's not a HD. Uh, that was before the HD come out. But just looking at the demos and stuff, you know, I can tell a big difference um, in, in the speed also. Uh, the they're really good units for the price. I mean that's I believe that they're the I mean for the price, the bang for your buck, for somebody getting into it, it's the way to go. Um, honestly, Lawrence have great units too. They're they're actually getting into this as well. They're coming out with a their set. Uh, I think it's probably going to be the thing that's going to be really close is their hook series. 
Yes. And the Hook series is coming out. I just got a, in my hand here, I just got a flyer from one of my um, warehouses, and it's talking about the new, all the new Hook series that are coming out. Yep, so now Lawrence has to compete back for Hummingbird, and it's constantly a leapfrog, um, you know, and everybody's coming out with something new, and people even coming out with stuff that they don't even have these the transducers for yet, but going ahead and getting it ready on their head units so when they are available, people already have it. But the, the technology's got now where it's just so affordable to be able to go out and have the equipment to go compete now, um, you know, you you get you, a, a, you know, an 18 foot big John boat uh, and a big old uh, stock tank, and go get you, a, you know, a, a five six hundred dollar side imaging unit, and you can get out there and compete with the best of them. Exactly, and and people ask me, it's like, what what do I have to do? Do I have to go up to I mean, the most expensive unit to get the best images. Yeah, you're. I'm going to say you're going to get some better units. At, I mean, better images out of the better units. But I can sit there and I can take an HDS seven, and I can make that HDS in certain situations. That HDS seven on Chuck's boat could have a better picture than an Onyx on somebody else's. And the biggest thing about that is you've got to get your transducer set to what would be the sweet spot. Usually it takes a little bit of adjusting, and I know some people don't feel as much as they should because drilling extra holes in your transducer. If somebody's asking me, I'll tell them go out. You, they've got products out there called transom savers or things like that that you can actually drill into your, or your transom, and then you can multiple holes drilling and putting that transducer in. Cheap way about it, go get you a thick piece of cutting board, cut it by what, three, four inches by four or five inches wide, put that into your tra uh, transom, and then you can actually start, you can actually just drill the holes and put your uh, transducer on that piece of cutting board you got on the back of your boat, and you can move it around all you want because you're not drilling more holes into your transom possibly causing you know, water to come in if you don't seal those holes up. Right. So, so these guys that are looking for an eight ninety nine or a eleven ninety eight or something at a really good deal, um, all they gotta do is send you a message and tell you to uh, keep an eye out for it for them. Uh, they let so, me know, and I will keep an eye out for them. Awesome. And then guys that you know that already have these units that have already talked to you, most of the time you know if something's going to be traded in right ahead of time. Exactly. Like for an example, I'll tell you right now. I've got um, one that I'm waiting for. Well, he's actually waiting to buy new, but it is an HDS 9 Gen 2 sitting out there right now. It comes with a regular transducer. It is a side imaging unit, but it will not come with that side imaging uh transducer because he's buying a stem rad and he can use that same transducer to follow it on the boat. But it's sitting out there at the right place and looking for one. Hey, that's a trade in I've got pending right now. But as I told him, I said, let me see if I can find anybody that needs it. And that's what I'll kind of do for customers. And this gentleman's bought multiple things for me or from me. And 
I mean, that's thing. He's also got a garden that's basically an offshore thing. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's All right. Well, um, it was nice chatting with you, and I'm going to turn you over to Lyle. I'm sure he's got plenty for you. And um, <coughs> he's all yours, Lyle. All right, buddy. We've got some uh, stuff going on here that I want to bring up. Scott Manning uh, has mentioned uh, sometime back here in chat that uh, about dropping fish, and we've been through this a couple of times. Uh, and, and dropping fish is a bad situation. The bigger the fish is, the older it is, and uh, the more devastating it is uh, going to be on that fish if you drop it any distance at all. And I've seen them drop out of boats on asphalt and ground, and, you know, they swim away when you release them, but the chances are they don't survive that. Uh, and one way that I feel to get away from that is people getting a hold of Dave uh, at the bottom dwellers or someplace uh, that would have them. I know he's got a really good one. And get a waistline. If you can't hold on to that fish and you're having problems with it, and if they're in them live wells and them live wells are set up correctly, they'll be more lively when you bring it out than they are when you put it in. And just get a hold of Dave, and he'll sell you a wasteland. And I honestly believe that every tournament director should have them available at their tournaments, especially if you're weighing something bigger than 10-pound channel cat. These fish will get away from you. They'll twist in your hands, and if you've got gloves on them or you don't have gloves on, it makes no difference. They'll cut your hand. They'll get in you. They'll pinch you. You know, they do all kinds of stuff, and there's nothing more entertaining when somebody's trying to take a picture of that tail come around slapping the crap out of the guy holding it. I mean, everybody loves to see that, but in the meantime, if that fish gets away from him, he drops it. That's devastating to that fish, so that's, that's one way. Uh, to get away from it, and, and I think that that's something that we all uh, need to address. What do you think about that, Vince? I I, um, I believe totally exactly what you're saying. Um, one of the things, too, they're talking about um, dropping the fish. I have talked to the biologist. Um, I've got an idea of what happens. When we drop a fish, depending on how that fish lands, if that fish lands on its belly, what it's more than likely going to happen, if there's any force behind it, it's going to bust the intercept. Okay, once it, or swim bladder, whatever you want to call it, once that happens, you can take it out, that fish will swim away. But that fish can get back down, more than likely will die in three, or three days. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And something else, um, when those fish are pulled up, and and everybody, when you get one in a live well, and you go to take it out, the easiest way to get a hold of it is put your hand in that fish's mouth, and you get a hold of it. But when you come up with that, don't just lift it up by its jaw. It takes no effort to slide your other hand underneath its belly and hold it. And when you got a hold of it like that, you can draw that fish right into your chest, and, and you have a secure grip on it. And that doesn't mean it can't get away from you. But the chances of you being able to control that fish is a lot greater doing that than it is trying to hold it up out here and swing around by the jaw. And to start with, in that time, all the organs inside that fish go to the bottom and it's down in there. So if something does happen, it gets away from you, and he's in trouble. You know, So uh, prevent that. We've got to take care of this natural resource we have. We're hard enough for us getting regulations passed in all the states, not just one particular state. We're all fighting. In every state that wants regulations, we're all fighting to get them. Uh, 
So we need to do our part to assure that these fish survive when we do release them because there's no sense of them coming up down the water later on uh, and having something uh, happen to them where they don't survive and there's no reason for it. If we take all the time that, and effort that we put into these live wells to make these fish survive after they've been caught, then we can hold them correctly and we can get wastelings and things uh, to assure their safety and well-being before they get released back into the water. And I agree with that 100%. With me, it's not a big a deal. Most of my fish are less than a pound anyway, so <laughs> not as bad for me. Yeah, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> um, we had some questions on uh, on the chat, Vince, about where you're located, and and I typed in uh, on the chat that you was in Ohio, and they could get a hold of you on Catfish Tech through Facebook. If you have another venue that uh, you'd like to tell somebody about on how to get a hold of you, uh, go ahead and let them know what it is. Well, the best way to get a hold of me is to message me on Facebook either through Catfish Tech which there is a page for that, or you can message me directly, Vince Nadosky. Um, get a hold of me that way. That's usually the easiest. Um, half the time, you, you give me a quick message. That way I'll have it when I'm away, but I might say, hey, I'm going to be around. Here's my number. Text, call me. I'll give that out to you as well. It doesn't bother me. Great, great. Good deal. Good deal. Um, you know, they, they're having a little conversation on about drilling holes in the boat for transducers and the idea that you had uh, to those little white things, everybody makes some cutting boards out of there. there. There is a lot, a lot of people uh, that puts a deal like that on the back of their boat and you can make it as big or as small as you deem uh, necessary and that's, that's the correct way to do it. You put how many ever holes in to do that, and then you can move that transducer to any spot you want without moving, making any more holes in that boat. If, if, you're, uh, if, you don't, if you feel like it needs to be moved up or down or side to side or whatever, and, and you don't feel comfortable with drilling, drilling holes in a boat, like I, I made the comment that uh, I built handicapped vans for several years, and uh, they'd bring me a brand new van in, maybe a $50,000 van, and first thing I'd do is cut the top out of it and put a raised roof on it. You know, so drilling holes don't bother me. But it does a lot of people. And every time you drill a hole, there's a possibility there for uh, a leak. So uh, those plastic things like you was talking about, uh, with a little silicone, when you put your screws in there to hold them secure on there, uh, chances are they'll never leak. Uh, and if they do, it's a very simple fix. And then if you need to move it or adjust that transducer, it's very simple to do. Now, I'll, now, tell, I'll you, tell you, you got holes got in it, like, uh, like uh, currently. currently. Um, um, you do is I, I put the silicone in the holes with a slightly large screw in it. Right, right. Yeah, if you put just a, a touch larger a screw in than the hole and, and I just take a, a tube of silicone and I make sure the silicone's up to the top, take the cap off of it and stick the screw right down in that silicone and then just run it right in there. And if you're not comfortable with that, take the take the tube and stick it over the hole and squirt some in the hole and then dip the screw in there and run it in there. And, and it's the same thing. You're, all you're trying to do is is eliminate it from leaking. And, and this marine grade silicone they got now is awesome stuff. It works really good. Uh, and a lot of the automotive silicone is just as good, but you're on the water. They make marine silicone for a reason. Ah, it doesn't make much sense to me not to use it. 
Uh, Dave Miller wants to know if you have a website, web page. I, I think we addressed that, and I said you, you do not have a web page because it's just I want to have customer service. And that's what I right. Yep. Just uh, just contact him on Facebook or give him a buzz, and, and, and he'll get back to you. I promise you it's not very long. Uh, Vince and I talk uh, quite a bit uh, online, and, and he'll get back to you right away, and he's got great prices and excellent service, and you won't be able to beat it. Uh, the I don't only way you pay tax is if you live in the state of Ohio. That's kind of with everything. Aaron Wheatley wants to know how much those slings run. I'm not sure. Does anybody know what Dave gets on those waist slings? They're not terrible. I know Brad Kilpatrick bought a whole bunch of them from Dave at one whack. Uh, but they're not they're not bad at all. I don't know how much they are uh, right offhand, but uh, do you know, Chuck? Um, I, I was thinking $29, but I'm not that, really sure. I was thinking 30 so yeah, they're going to be right in there. But if you prevent one fish from being dropped, uh, um, personally, I don't have an issue with the people using them in the boat because I, you know, everybody's got a net or they got gri uh, grippers. If you get to catch a big fish, you're going to have to have a net, you know, most of the time. Uh, Boomer says they're around 40 bucks, but and they come in three different sizes too, by the way. Uh, you know, in a net, you lift that baby up and you set it down gently in your floor and you get all your stuff done, your pictures and your measurements or whatever you want to do. And I'm a big proponent of taking that fish and putting it in the live well and letting it rest up in there before I release it. Some guys just turn them right back. Brad Beck says twenty six fifty for the 50-inch. And $29.70 for the 60 that's, that's see that's very very reasonable very reasonable and uh, you know I, I like to put them them babies in there uh, in that live well and let them recoup a little bit and uh, as long as they're doing good we, if we're going to release them we'll just go ahead and throw them back in the water then lastly well, throw them back you get a 60 pound fish you're not gonna throw it back well I'm not gonna throw it back but you know slide that baby back in the water and and uh, it's real easy to, t to tell when these fish are ready to go. If you get it in the water and it's beside the boat and your hand's in his mouth, when it starts pinching down on your hand hard enough that you don't want it pinching down on that hand, you'll turn loose of it, and it's usually ready to go. And uh, they'll give you a little tail wag, and they're off, you know. And uh, I just think that's the correct way to do it. I don't know how, uh, how Chuck does it down in Alabama, and I don't know how Vince does it in Ohio, but that seems to work for me. And... and uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So unless somebody's got a better way, I'm gonna keep doing it that way. Well, I fished by myself on Sunday, and <laughs> I didn't catch anything big. All three of them, um, the three of the biggest ones were, you know, ten to twelve pounds, and I had a couple around eight. But I pulled one in the boat, took a picture of him. The other four, I just released them at the boat. I mean, I'm out by myself. There, if I'm not going to try to get a picture of them or whatever, and I found it so hard to get a picture when you're by yourself, and you usually, I try to have the uh, the three minute rule, and that's if that's you know the personal best. He, he's not going to be out of the water more than three minutes. Uh, that's pictures, everything, um, you know, and you know if it's going to be you know, a, a, you know, an average fifth. You know, but you want to make sure you get a good picture. Um, they're usually only out of the water for a minute. You know, you pull the hook, 
you know, uh, give a good old hug, get your picture taken, and release him. But, you know, most of the time in the tournaments is when you get a lot of banging around, um, especially when you're culling. You've already got one in the live well. You're trying to compare weights. You got him on your uh, laying on your deck. Um, you know, then you got to pull one back out of the live well that you didn't weigh before you put him in there the first time. And they can beat themselves around pretty good uh, in the floor of those boats. You know, so, you know, if you can go ahead and get them in that wasteland as soon as you get them in the boat, um, you know, it really saves a lot of damage to the fish um, all the way up until you put him in the live well or release him. Um, if you get him out for a couple of picks, the wasteland also works really good to keep the slime off your clothes because you can have it. Um, you know, pretty much in a hug, and when you unzip it, you can just let the front down, drape it under you, and get the picture in the wasteland also. But yep. um, they really, really save in the tournaments on uh, a lot of damage to the fish. I've had them before where I've jumped on top of them to keep them from, because I thought they were going to kill themselves. That's how bad they were throwing a fit. Oh, and they get excited. And I just try to, you know, get on top of them, keep them um, so they can't get out from under me. I don't put all my weight on them. Um, I've had them almost slide off the rear deck next to the motor. Um, I mean, just throw huge fits. So, yeah, and when you have one almost get off your back deck in a tournament, that right there, you know, gets you thinking a lot because when you have one sliding off your uh, back deck, and he's heading right off the transom. That right there um, will stop your heart pretty quick. <laughs> Absolutely will. <laughs> it will when you said sliding off into the lake. Yeah, That's it, it, sure. Vince, uh, we have another question from Catpool. He wants to know, uh, do you do know what processors are being used in the number series versus the Helix series? Uh, to me, a better way to put that was, do you know how much faster the new processors are than the old ones? And that's where uh, I, I put a message there in the chat for him. I do not actually know which processor they're using, but from the from what I've been by their documentation, it is supposed to be twenty five percent faster. Twenty five percent faster. That is what they're claiming. Well, you know what, twenty five percent is a lot on a processor. I would have to think. It is. You know that that's a, a great deal. Great deal. Uh, trying to go through here to see if what else we've missed. Hey Vince, does the processor have to do anything with the uh, your boat hesitating and then jumping on your GPS screen? Like you're not moving for a second, and all of a sudden your boat appears, you know, 30 yards from where it was sitting. Is that a processor? Is that a uh, actually a puck? That would be a combination between your processor, actually, and your puck. You said you have a 798, is that correct? 898. 898. That probably, if memory serves right, has a 16-channel GPS puck. Yes. The 16-channel, basically, that's less channels that it can use to hit a satellite. They were slightly slower in responding than a 50-channel was. So it's a combination of the two. So uh, on the internal GPS, what is that? Uh, 
like in a puck? Is that also a 50 channel? Fifty channel, or at least on my which my uh, you think my I'm running right now is on the GPS side of things, probably about a year old technology. So it's um, I'm, I'm I'm saying the new helixes are at least fifties because they don't even make the sixteen channel pucks anymore. You can't even buy one new. Yeah, that's very annoying when, especially when you're, um, you know, you're going to do a little bit of controlled anchoring or precision anchoring and and you're trying to find your mark and all of a sudden you think your boat stopped and all of a sudden you're on the other side of it. Um, you know, so these new, these new uh, units are getting away from all them little problems they were having like that and I'm glad to see it because those things are very annoying. How annoying are they? Very. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's bad enough to get in the right spot so you can cast on where you're trying to precision anchor, much less having something like that adding to it. Well, you know, it's no difference with, with those or anything else. The new technology comes out. Uh, it seems to me like almost daily, and every time they come out with something new, it's a little bit better than the last. I know every time I buy a computer, uh, it's better than the one before, and and the 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 technology in these depth finders is the same way. They they're just getting better and better and better, and uh, pretty soon we'll have them casting and catching our fish, and we'll just sit there and watch them drag them in. Yeah, Vance was telling me the ion unit. Uh it's like having a computer. You can surf the internet and everything right there in your boat with an eye. Really? No kidding. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that. Yeah, well, I, I believe I'll pass on that for now. I, <laughs> I'd never get no fishing done. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am anxious to see one of the new Helixes, uh, the 10s. I think that the 10s or 12s would be awesome. Uh, I know I've seen images that them things produce, and they're second to none. They're absolutely the clearest, most defined uh, screens that I've ever seen on any brand. I don't care what it is, and, and they're amazing. Um, and I have no complaints about what I have, but that uh, that Helix that I seen at, I believe it was Bass Pro, uh, it was a demo model they had in there, and it was compared to everything else in that store, and this is the big store in Springfield, uh, there was nothing even close to it as far as detail and imagery and the clear, clarity of it is just outstanding. So uh, to get to, to playing with one and stuff, I think, and, it, and Brad says a Helix 9 the other day, uh, quite impressed for 999, and it may have been a 9, come to think of it, that I was looking at. But whatever it was, the detail on it was just uh, unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Well, Yes, sir. One thing that I do want to, well, that everybody should know on the HDS9, that HDS9 does not come with an HD transducer. It comes with the compact transducer that was on the 898, 899s and lower. You can actually, as soon as you get your unit, you call Hummingbird. They will give you the, at the address. You send in the non-HD. And they have a cost on that at somewhere about eighty or hundred dollars, and they will then send you back the HD transducer. That is an upgrade you can do, but you have to do it via Hummingbird. 
Well, for a hundred bucks, I would think that would be a no-brainer to me. Exactly. Uh, I, I want the clarity. I want the, you know, these OIs need all the help they can get, and uh, uh, that's that's why it's so important to me. And and I, you know, not to get off subject here with you, Vince, but uh, I made an announcement here a few weeks ago about the Monster Cat having a uh, 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 Lawrence uh, HDS 12 touchscreen on it. And uh, every time we go out in it, I learn a little bit more. And and uh, this is by far the clearest Lowrance, best image on any Lowrance I've ever seen. Uh, in a store, in a boat, and I've been in a lot of boats with guys, and, and I told everybody that I'd kind of keep them updated. It's, it's definitely a lot harder to operate than a hummingbird. But it, it's not impossible to operate. It's, it's not impossible. Uh, you just the, the easiest way to do it is get somebody like Chris Jones or or Craig Shoemate in the boat with you, and they can show you stuff in five minutes that you can't read about all day because stuff online is not as easy to find as having somebody in the boat with you. Uh, it is a good unit. It is not as easy to operate as a hummingbird, and some of that, again, may be the fact that I am so used to running running hummingbirds. Uh, one of the downfalls that I see with it is. I think the 360 imaging is a game changer for any kind of river lake fisherman on the market. I believe that this stuff will be, if people will take the time to learn it, will make a huge difference, especially in anchor fishing, but I believe it will make a difference in, uh, in drift fishing, and they don't offer that. And I think that that's something that, that is going to be really big for a lot of people. But... Uh, the, the Lowrance, just to let everybody know, the Lowrance is coming around, and we got some outstanding images, and uh, Craig really knew how to run that baby, and, and we got up there and on the lake, and, and we went looking for bait, and he said, oh, here they are, and I got some video of this, and I'll get all this stuff put together one of these days. But this video showed these huge bait balls, and two throws, I believe. I don't think he made three throws, but we put... Uh, we put uh, Shad in a in a five gallon bucket with ice, and we put Shad in the live well, and tried to split them up. Uh, and, and you know, you and I was talking the other day about uh, bait in the live well. That hundred gallon live well with it on a timer, where it runs ba uh, runs water in and runs water out. Um, I had I had Shad alive all day, never lost a bait. Uh, we took them out at the end of the day, and they were still alive. Now, there was a couple of them that had a little red nose, but they was going on ice anyhow for him the next day, so it didn't really make any difference. But uh, that's the difference a lot of times, too, in cold water uh, and hot water in the summertime. Uh, and, and if you'd set something in that live well with a bucket that's circular, they wouldn't have them red noses. But uh, it's a lot harder to keep that bait alive uh, in 90-degree water than it is 35-degree water. So, Very true. Uh, you know, and, and we'll keep updating you on how the progress comes and, and, and how things are, but uh, the imagery on this is, is very clean and crisp, and, and uh, like I say, you get somebody in there like a Chris Jones or a Craig Shoemate that knows what they're doing, it's a lot easier to operate than it is me trying to figure one out for the first time, and you're right, Doc, it is hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but we're trying to learn. We are. We really are. We get you down in, there, in that boat. Uh, down in Memphis, Doc, we'll figure out how to do some stuff with her, I'll bet you. Hey, with Doc, better watch out. You guys will do great on free fishing day. 
Oh, I hope so. I hope so. You know, we have been playing on this tournament ever since we found out about it. And uh, when Doc told me that uh, he was going to jump in a boat with us, it, at this point, it, catching fish will be a bonus, just getting to be in there and, and uh, having Doc in a boat with us and learning a few things from him. And, and uh, he's going to bring Lynn down with us. And, uh, you know, she can't fish the tournament because only allowed three in a boat. But, that you know, we're going to have a great time no matter what. If we don't even catch a fish, we're still going to have a good time. Oh, absolutely. And and for all you guys that keep sending me message about Doc, Doc is working to get his uh, webcam up, and we are going to have him on here. Uh, he hasn't. He's working all the time, and it's a tough deal trying to get everything lined up. But Doc Lang will be on Catfish Weekly uh, in the next few weeks. We don't have an exact date yet, but as soon as I know when it's going to be, I'll put it up, and then you guys can make sure you tune in because... Um, there's a lot of knowledgeable people uh, in catfishing. There'll be very few that's any more knowledgeable than Doc Lang. So Vince, when we're talking about the Catfish Conference, um, how big of a deal are you anticipating this to be? I think it's going to actually be very beneficial to a lot of people out there that are wanting you know, I guess what you call it, the buzzword nowadays is to know people. Yeah, I, I, you broke up a little bit. Uh, to be able to network with people. That's going to be one of the biggest thing. There's going to be many vendors there. Um, you'll be able to see what they have to offer, uh, what they can do for you, things like that. Um, I believe one of the new companies that I'm going to try be trying out this year is going to be there. Next fish life. I'm really interested in seeing their um, using their first aid and also their bait safe. Because uh, um, any that that comes back to the talk about um, we're talking about conservation. Just as anything that can you know enhance those fish that are in my live well to keep them uh, a slime coat or anything like that, I'm all for it. Right, I agree, and and. and uh, Fish Likes contacted me about being a sponsor on Catfish Weekly, and I was very happy that they was interested in doing that. And I am also very interested in their uh, bait saver type additive that you put to water, because any time that you can preserve the life of your bait, you're going or or the quality of the bait you're keeping, whether it be frozen or live, either one. Any time that you can improve the quality of your bait, you're going to pick up on some fish that you may or may not have caught with crappy old bait that uh, either is almost alive or uh, is in bad shape and not been preserved correctly, frozen or whatever it is. And uh, Jason Huggins and Cindy believe that you need to trade that red shirt in for a Cardinal shirt, and I'm 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 with them on that. I'll be. We got to we got to get you going here and get you out of that red stuff into some quality cardinal stuff. I think I've done it wrong. <laughs> that would be like that would be like you wearing something with the crimson tide on it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> well, you know, maybe uh, maybe you'll come around one of these days. I keep thinking that you and Janet and and. Uh, uh, Claude will all come around and, and uh, jump on the Cardinals bandwagon, but I'm not so sure it's going to happen. I heard, they're, I heard they're sending your baseball team to Montreal since they sent your football team to California. 
Yeah, we didn't need them guys. But they didn't want to be in St. Louis anyhow, and I never rooted for them, so I didn't really care if they left or not. They sucked when they got here, and they sucked when they left, and I'm a Denver fan, so I don't really care. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think this Catfish Conference is going to be a major uh, event for a lot of people that has uh, been in the house all winter, and uh, you get guys that live up where Brad Durick's at, other than ice fishing, they don't get to go out and do anything or see anything. They haven't seen thawed out water in uh, a month or better, you know, and, and I think a lot of guys are going to travel a long distance to go down there. I know there's a lot of effort been put into this to uh, to make this a great event, and I'm very thankful that uh, it, the Steve and Jeff Jones and guys come up with the idea to do this. I, I really believe that uh, the amount of information that's going to be available to people down there is going to be astounding. Uh, I also think that any catfishing product worth its salt will will be there either by a person that uh, they sponsor or by the company itself. And anytime we can put that many people and that much product and knowledge together in one spot, it will benefit everybody from the guy sitting on the side of the bank trying to figure out how to catch fish to the pro that's been doing it for years. I'm sure that anybody down there uh, will benefit from it. And some of these guys, uh, you know, people think that just because all these guys tournament fish it means they don't know about sitting on the side of the bank. I promise you, there is a lot of these guys that started out just like everybody else sitting on the side of the bank, and they'll transfer the knowledge they learned from bank fishing to that boat. Don't you think, Chuck? That's right. Yep, I agree. I, I really do. I, and, and all them things, if uh, Brad Durick had a thing in one of his books about going out when the water was really low. And you can do this without a boat. If you're trying to fish an area and the water's way, way down, you can go out and look at that when it's down and see where where you're throwing when the water's up. And just, just bear in mind where these spots and these holes and these high spots are and fish them when the water comes up because the fish are going to come back in there. I mean, it's just uh, common knowledge. And uh, those guys need to take a look at that book and, and it's not just because you have a boat type thing. It, all those uh, deals apply uh, to bank fishermen as well as uh, as well as the uh, uh, boat fishermen. So uh, you'll be able to get all kinds of information down there because, like I say, uh, Jeff Dodd, Larry Buse, these guys, Aaron Wheatley, Chuck Davison, it doesn't matter who it is. Sometime or another they have sat on a bank and sat there and catfished. I, I know they have. And, and you ask them what to do if you're a bank fisherman, they're going to tell you. They're, they're, these guys are not strictly tournament talk. They, they can tell you how to catch catfish, and that's what we're all interested in. Yeah, you was talking, yeah, you was about, talking the, about the, uh, the fish life product. <laughs> um, I'm going to have samples uh, at, at the tournaments that I'm at. So if, if uh, anybody needs a sample of some Fish Life product, get with me. Uh, you'll be able to try it out. Um, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be wearing their name on my jersey. So any of these little companies that you know uh, need supported, I, I don't mind one bit to, to advertise for them. Um, you know, I may get a little bit of free additive or something, but that's not it. That's 
uh, you know, after these guys grow and they get uh, start getting noticed and selling product pretty steady, they're going to know who helped get them there, and that's when you're going to be able to get your help. That's exactly right. You know, and Jason Huggins made a note here on, on our chat that Google Earth is one of the greatest venues for bank fishermen there is, and that is very true. If you can use that, you can... You can use that to your advantage, and everybody that's got a computer has got Google Earth, and they can figure stuff out uh, that would never, uh, they would never believe the advantage that makes. Aaron Wheatley says he's fishing off the bank of the river when he's seven years old, and uh, there's no doubt in my mind. I got I, my biggest, my biggest memory as a child being my brother and my mother was fishing in a pond behind the house we lived at, and I wouldn't stay out of the water. Mom tied me up to the to the uh, fence post, and I had to stand there tied up to the fence post while they fished. But uh, you know, it wasn't long after that till I got to go fishing. Yeah, the, uh, I was gonna say what you just said about Google Earth. If you are a Hummingbird user, you can download Hummingbird PC. You link it to Google Earth and say you got your little SD in your PC. You are gonna be able to. Mark those waypoints while you sit at the computer. You can actually put those in your unit and you want those waypoints to show up right in your unit as you're out on the watch. That's is that basically what Brad's talking about, using your far, smartphone and, and those deals to, to make yourself a, a great little fish finder? Yeah, yeah, you can do that with the uh, Navionics app as well. Right now. Now that's what Nick Goodall said, uh, Navionics USA app, and I have that downloaded to my computer. I don't have it on my phone. Uh, I do have it on my computer. And before we go to a tournament or before we go somewhere else, if we're going to go fishing somewhere, I'll pull those places up on that Navionics page, and I'll look for high spots and low spots and humps and rocks and breaks, current breaks and and uh, ledges and. Uh, where the creeks run in and out, and, and to me that's very important because if you get a place back up in there, you're liable to find some bait or something, and uh, you know all that stuff. You need to use your advantage, and it's just as much advantage to the guy that goes out and sits on the bank with his son or daughter fishing as it is to us guys that have boats. Exactly. For winter blue one winter this year, I didn't actually have a south chip for my finder with me. I download. Or I have the Navionics already downloaded to my phone. I, I, since I have that already downloaded, I could put it onto my tablet as well. I brought my tablet out on the boat, used my phone as the Wi-Fi portion of it. The tablet was my GPS, so it was just like having the GPS an extra screen with my tablet. In. Right, right. Oh yeah, talking about bank fishing and. Um, you know, you, by using your uh, Navionics app on your phone, you know, you won't show up at a, a, a river bank anymore and cast 50 yards out in the river and it's only two foot deep. Um, you know, if you've been somewhere that's been charted. But um, another good thing about the Helix units is the auto, auto chart live. Um, so the guys that live around lakes that haven't been mapped out by Navionics or whatsoever can actually get out and chart these lakes, and they can have their own GPS chart of their own individual small little lakes. And you're able to go out and fish them uh, 
you know, just like you do any other lake that's got navy on it. You know, you'll be able to know where the channel edges are, uh, the humps, uh, and all. You'll be able to see the uh, the actual channel going through the lake where the old creek used to be or the old river, and uh, it's going to change a it's going to change fishing big time. It really is, and, and Brad Durick posted uh, a tra a link on here. And he, what he thinks that is, is a transducer hookup to your Wi-Fi on your phone app. So uh, it, I don't know how to get it off of there to make it where everybody could see it. But if you're in chat, you've seen it. And if not, and you need that link, just give Brad a shout. I'm sure he'd be happy to give that to you. Uh, and that would be a great advantage to somebody uh, that doesn't have that kind of stuff. And, Jerry, we, we don't mind that your son... Uh, Punched our daughter punched that number, uh, that letter zero on there. If you have your two-year-old sitting there watching Catfish Weekly with you, you're you're raising that child correctly, and thank you so much for that. Vince, at at this time every week, we try tell everybody that if they have uh, any sponsors or anybody they'd like to thank or any anything that they'd like to talk about, take your time and and you go over doing that, and uh, we're getting. To, to wrapping her up, so uh, make yourself at home and, and do what you need to do. All right. Well, for my tournament season this year, me and um, Adam, uh, what we want to do is we want to thank probably um, for myself at least the longest um, running sponsor I've had. Number one, that's Never Stag Anchors. That's my call. Um, I also want to. Uh, thank Tennessee River Monster, Scott Manning, he is one of my sponsors. Um, of course, Catfish Tech, I sponsor myself. I don't know how that really works. But, um, those are my three main sponsors. Do you sponsors. charge yourself for that? I'm still going to be using Akuma Reels this year. Um, I've got a few more. I've got a couple more that are uh, possibly right now just waiting on the final word and okay to announce them. Uh, won't know them yet, but in advance, I want to thank them in advance. Um, and, that, and, and basically, that's it. And I just want to thank everybody that fishes the Southwest Ohio Catfish Clubs. They come out with us all the time. Uh, the other four or five clubs in our area that come together for the Tri-State Shootout that we do every year. Um, I mean, I'm just thankful to see them all. And everybody out there that's not fish tournaments that want to come out, you're perfectly welcome to us. Uh, half of our, well, I want to say, majority of our people. You got a first time on a body of water? Ask. Don't be shy. Ask them. I mean, what do you what do you think? I mean, they're probably not going to give you lots, but they're going to help you if they can. This um, I wanted to touch on that, and we kind of I forgot about it actually. But this tri-state shootout, you guys have been doing that for quite a while. Uh, this will be the fourth year. Fourth year. And what's the boat average that you've been having of participants? Uh, it's I think it's ranged as low as 41. I think we had 41 last year. The year before that, we were right at like 48 or 49. And that's outstanding. So, you know, that's a job well done. And, and uh, I always look forward to results from all them tournaments. You know, we, people don't realize that Chuck and I sit here and we follow these tournament trails uh, that we can't make. Uh, we follow you guys in the ICA and, and the tournaments they have out in Arizona and the ones they have out on the East Coast. We, we don't get to make those tournaments a lot of times, 
but we do, we know who's placing them, how many people's fishing them. You know, at that particular time, of course, I forget it the next day, but you know, we we look at at all that stuff when people put it up, and and I see them guys out on the Potomac River and out on the on the James River and fishing those great lakes that they've got out there, and and uh, man, it's just so great to see all these quality fish being caught. And by the way, speaking of fish being caught, in the last couple of weeks in this winter bite, there have been some great fish turned in. These people are hitting on some giants and they're putting great numbers of them in the boat and it's really good for us guys that don't get to go out much in the winter time and see all these quality fish being caught. Well, exactly. Hey, well, one last thing that I would say while um, as the tournament director, I've actually said this before that I've been lax in it. Um, I'm making that change this year, and I'm making that commitment to anybody that, you know, like yourself or, or Chuck that follows our trail. I want to make sure that every tournament I have, I am going to list every, I mean, everybody that weighed a fish, not just the top three places. I want to how many teams we had show up. And I, I know it's a little extra work, but I implore all other directors to do that as well. Well, I mean, that's a great idea. Because you've got guys out there that are seeking sponsorships right now. And you know what? Maybe they want to say they were fourth or fifth in a particular 25-person tournament, but if we as directors are only putting the top three out there, we are doing anglers that control tournament a disservice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, today I was on Facebook and somebody had a uh, ninth place ICA plaque for uh, being in ninth place at the end of the year in the points. And that's great that tournaments are giving out plaques for noticing people that come in ninth and tenth place. Uh, you know, in a year points race because that's the, to come in tenth, you had to have, you know participated in quite a few and uh, had to have at least caught a, quite a few fish. So that's awesome to be noticed for stuff like that. That is, that's really really cool. Jerry Diller just posted a picture, uh, a link to a picture uh, of his daughter um, holding the, the first fish they caught together. And Jerry, if you haven't got that on Catfish Weekly's uh, Facebook page, please do so. That's a great picture. And, and like I said about the the hitting the uh, the keyboard, and that's that's raising kids right. You're teaching her some great values. And if, if she can sit there and watch Catfish Weekly with you, we're all going to be looking forward to seeing her down the road uh, with her own Facebook page, putting in pictures up of you and her when you're an older guy. <laughs> That's just kind of the way that works out. Chuck, have you got any closing statements for tonight? Uh, not really. You know, just the regular old confusing stuff. You know, what unit am I going to get? What tournaments am I going to fish? Because I can't fish them all. <coughs> uh, you know, Cabela's is having the tournament on the 19th, which Vince was talking about. Uh, the Saturday before that, uh, Daniel with the Alabama Catfish Trail is putting on a tournament at Wheeler on 312 um, so if people want to come down and use that for a uh, a pre-fishing type event uh, come down and meet some new faces it's going to be a good time um, 
you know, right before that is the Catfish Conference, February 27th, which we're all going to get together. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. But right after that, the tournaments start wide open. Um, and what I'm looking really forward to is the April 1st and 2nd um, Lay Lake Super Event Cabela's is putting on right here in Sylacaug, Alabama. Um, it it was a pretty nice tournament next year, and I'm going to focus on this one. If I don't fish anything else up to that, depends on how work goes or whatever, but um, I'm looking forward to what's coming the next few months. You know, Cindy and I sat down the other day and, well, it's been a day or two ago, and she sat down, and, I, and we visited about it, and we made our schedule up for the year, our partial schedule for the year, and, and believe it or not, um, that Cabela's tournament on Wheeler is kind of involved with that. We hadn't made a 100% commitment to it or not, but uh, that'll be a great tournament down there, and I, I think they'll have a really good turnout. Uh, I believe these new guys with that is going to... Uh, to work with that really well, and Jeremy uh, will keep us posted, I'm sure, uh, and make sure that this does what it needs to do. And I, I look for great things to come out of them in the future. Uh, IGAT says that he is going to post the results for everyone that fishes their tournaments, and the work continues way beyond that when you get home, and that is correct. And he also has put up a link to the Facebook for uh, ICATS, uh, so check that out. It's I C A T S. And you can see all of the tournament results on their Facebook page. And thank you for that. Thanks, John, for uh, thinking we had another good show, which I believe we did. Events was it was very nice of you on such short notice to jump in here with us and help us out. Uh, we do shows by ourselves sometimes, but uh, to tell you the truth, it's a lot more fun when we get guests on here than just Ch Chuck and I talking about what each other's doing. Uh, we can pick your brain about uh, tournament stuff and and uh, uh, hummingbirds and Lawrence uh, products and the things that you do in the off season and stuff and it, it makes it very nice for us to be able to do that uh, the one thing that I did uh, not get from you and you can go ahead and send them to me when we're done is coordinates on your on your uh, fish finder for Wheeler and places like that that you know I'm going to be going to this year and I'll try not to abuse those well, my plan was to sneak down before that uh, Wheeler uh, Cabela's tournament and just kind of uh, steal um the SD card out of uh, Chuck's system. <laughs> I thought you was wanting to catch some fish. <laughs> oh man! You both go steal Cat Daily. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cat's kind of got it going on down there, don't he? Well, yeah, I think somebody else. You know, Wheatley was down there over the weekend. Looked to me like he done all right too. Yeah, Cad don't eat, Cad don't go find uh, fish in good places. He leaves them alone. He tries to find new places. Ain't nothing wrong with that. He don't want nobody to see where he's fishing at, where the good fish are. So I don't blame him. I don't blame him. That, yeah, that'd he, be great. He knows what's going on. Well, folks, it's been a really fun show tonight with Vince, and uh, we're running over about a, about 15 minutes over what we, we need to do. And, and we want to thank you guys for the compliments on the show. It means so much. You you have no idea what it what that means when, when uh, you guys are telling us that we're doing it right because it means the world to Chuck and I and, and we appreciate you all watching. So for Chuck Davis and Lyle Stokes and Vince Nagowski, thanks for watching Catfish Weekly. We'll be back next Monday night.